never be the one they call the prettiest That's alright with me Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? And so, 
I have some things to point out here, okay, within this little passage, and this is what, we're, what I'm going to be speaking about. Okay, we get a man named Nicodemus, okay, and we learn right away what he does for a living. We learn right away what his life's all about, and he is a member of the Jewish ruling council, okay? So he's a member of the Jewish ruling council. So right away when we think about that, we think of somebody up there. If today we were to put this in light of what we know, you know, maybe the president, someone up there, okay? Someone who's in charge of things. Um, and then when we think of people like that, someone who's up there in charge of things, uh, we think that they have to be smart, right? They have to be intelligent. And so look up there at that screen. So here we got no, some no, smart king. people, right? You know, we got some really smart people. So I hear Martin Luther King, really smart man. Who knows what this guy with the funny was? We kind of look related, right? Oh. <laughs> oh my God. And so this is, we have Einstein, and, and you know, he looks like he could be my uncle or something. And then, you know, we have Martin Luther King Jr. Who knows of the guy in the corner? Stephen Hawking. Stephen Hawking. Okay, so that's, that's Stephen Hawking. And so these are like the greatest minds. Um, that we've seen and maybe learned about in history and, and throughout time. And so, when we look at this scripture, we see that this, this guy, this Pharisee, is coming to Jesus, is coming to God, and, and is asking him questions, right? He's, it says right here in the scripture, you know, what, what I underline, he came. So he came to Jesus, and what did he say to him immediately? He said, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could have done the things that you were doing. And so immediately he begins to kind of say, you know what, hey, I know you're the guy with all the answers, basically. You're the guy that's doing all these things, and you cannot do these things on your own. God has to be with you. You have to come from God. Okay? So let's look further into the passage. We see that now he's asking Jesus all these questions, right? How can a man be born when he is old? How can a man be born when he is old? And this is talking about being born again. So how can a man be born when he's old? And so in your mind, just think of this. This guy is supposed to be smart, okay? This guy's supposed to be a really smart guy, okay? He comes to Jesus, and he asks Jesus basically, well, how do I get to heaven, okay? How does one go to heaven is basically what he's getting at, okay? And so Jesus basically explains this. You have to be born again. And he's telling a smart guy, you have to be born again to go to heaven. So the smart guy is like putting two and two together. Well... If I am supposed to be born again, and I'm old, how is it possible? You know, I can't go back into my mother's room, and please do not try to think about that. That's disgusting. Okay? You cannot go back into your mother's room. That is not how you go back to heaven. Okay? That's, that just does not happen. It's physically impossible. So I'm going to stop talking about it right there because it's nasty. Okay? So let's stop. Okay? So, this is what Jesus says to him. You know, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's room to be born. So Jesus says, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. So Jesus answers him, okay, right there. Now, later on, he, the, the Pharisee asked him, um, in regards to what he just said, how can this be? So the Pharisee just got all these questions. The Pharisee just really wants to know. He's coming to the one who has all the answers. And so Jesus looks at this guy and says, and basically, like, if we were to put this into slang terms, we would understand that Jesus just treated him. He just said, you are Israel's teacher, okay? You are Israel's teacher, and you don't understand these things? Okay, so this would be like going to school, right? And you go to your teacher, who teaches math, and you're like, I don't understand how 2 plus 2 is 4. Can you explain it to me? Like, how is 2 plus 2 plus 4? And the teacher looks at you and says, I don't know. 
Does that make sense? No. No, not at all. And so this guy, so Jesus basically says to him, you're supposed to be teaching all these people, you know, sharing <clears throat> with them, you know, preaching and teaching them, and you don't even know how to get to heaven? You don't, you don't know what, what a man is supposed to do. You have the scriptures, you read them, and you, you don't know how to get to heaven? And so, like many of the smart people we know today, you know, they, they think they have all the answers. You know, they think they have all the answers. You know, the guy uh, all the way in the corner, who did you guys say he was? Hawkins, right? Brilliant man. Amazing mind. Super intelligent. I mean, if I were to sit down with him, I'd probably feel like I was retarded or something. Like, the guy is just a genius, okay? Writes and writes and writes all the time, and, and people, like, speak with him, and, and re reporter after reporter wants to talk about, to talk to him, talk about him, because he's just so out there. But this man, okay, look, just, he's, like, decrepit. The guy is dying. And he does not know the truth. He claims that, you know, the Bible isn't real, that God does not exist, that it's a figment of many of our imaginations, that people that choose to believe this thing uh, are probably, there's something wrong up here, they, you know, it's just all emotions, but he doesn't know the truth himself. He's very smart, you know. These men, just think of him. Just think of these guys like Nicodemus, like these are all Nicodemuses of our time. They're smart people. But there's only one up there that I'm pretty sure knew the truth. Okay? Only one that I'm pretty sure knew the truth. That was Martin Luther King. Okay? But we're not here to debate or to talk about all this stuff. I'm not here to tell, share you guys the testimony. I'm just here to show you that these were smart people. Okay? But not even they knew all the answers to everything. Okay? So I want to point out some things to you within the scripture. Okay? In verse 2 of chapter 3, we see that Nicodemus, he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the miraculous signs you were doing if God were not with him. So he's acknowledging that Jesus, he's not like anyone else. He, he has to be from God. You know what? As a matter of fact, you are from God. That's what he says. You are from God because no one could do this if they weren't from God. And so we see that Nicodemus, he's supposed to be a smart guy. But he's asking Jesus all these questions. Because he wants all these answers, okay? There's something inside of us that desires the truth, right? Does anyone in here like to be lied to? No. Not at all. I'm married, okay? And, and I have a husband, okay? Obviously, I have a husband. And I want him to be truthful to me. I want him to be open. I want him to be honest. I want him to be real, okay? If he were to begin to lie to me and to keep things from me and to be secretive, would I appreciate that? Not at all, okay? And so, like many of you guys here, you appreciate the truth, you want the truth, and you guys can spot out a lie right away because it just doesn't feel right, okay? And so, we are truth seekers. We desire truth, we want to find out the truth, okay? And so this is what Nicodemus did. He knew that this man, that God knew the truth. And so he came with all of his questions, okay? This man was supposed to be knowledgeable, but he knew nothing. In light of scripture, he knew nothing. Just imagine, you know nothing, but you come to someone who does, and you ask these questions and you get your answers. It's like many of you here, when you first got saved, you didn't know how to go to heaven. Many of you feared going to hell, but you guys wanted to know how to get there. 
You guys came, you sought your questions, you wanted answers, and many of you found your answers, and some of you may still be searching, but you know the place to go, and the place to go is to Jesus. You go to Jesus, and he's going to answer every question you guys ever have, okay? See, Jesus responds to him in this way, okay? You are Israel's teacher, and do you not understand these things? Okay? Many of you have come, many of you have been around, you guys have had your questions, and you guys have gotten your answers, but not many of you are receiving. Okay? And this is what I wanted to point out today in the scripture. We, whenever we think about John chapter 3, the only thing we think about is the for God so love the world part. We don't really focus on the story of Nicodemus and who he was as a man and, and the relationship that he had with God for that brief moment in time when he was asking how to get to heaven. We don't think about that. We just like to focus on the good parts of scripture, the good things that Jesus said. And that was, well, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish and have everlasting life. Oh, God loves me, and we get goosebumps, and we feel so good because, well, God loves us. But then, what about the other part? Jesus tells the man he knew nothing. Okay, why doesn't anyone remember that? Why, why isn't that when we preach the gospel to people, we don't share that part? God loves you, but do you realize that you know nothing apart from God? Do you realize you can't get to heaven on your own if you do not know the way to get there? There are many ways to Jesus. There are many ways to heaven or many ways to God. There's only one way. If you come to God, you will receive your answers. I believe Jesus answered him very clearly that night. Nicodemus, at that very time, knew how to get to heaven. And whether he accepted that or not, we don't know. But he definitely got his answer. Okay? You guys have to ask yourself, you guys can ask yourself a billion questions. I just pointed out three here, okay? Do you receive well from others? Okay? Do you receive well from others? Or do you kind of like, and in, in this sense I'm saying, if someone were to correct you and to kind of tell you well, what you're doing right now isn't really right, you, kind of, you know, do you receive? Or do you kind of turn up your nose and you walk away and like, well, I don't need that. You know, I'm pretty good on my own. I don't need somebody to come and say whatever it's me. Are you quick to get an attitude? Um... Are you full of pride? You know, is it hard for you to listen to others when they just tell you to do something? They're just asking you to do something. I remember when I was in Elevate, okay? I was maybe 16 or 17 years old. I was already in the one-on-one -on -one discipleship, and I had been going through it maybe for my third or fourth time, okay? Because we didn't have the 201 for me just yet at the time, okay? And so I remember Susie. Okay, how many of you guys know Susie? She, okay, so Susie was my one-on-one -on -one leader. She was teaching me, she was discipling me, she was taking me through it. And I remember one night after Elevate, I was so tired, okay? And we were setting up for an event the following day, because I guess it was somebody's birthday or something on, on that Saturday, okay? And Susie wanted everyone to stay behind and help and, and set up, especially the people in the side of the show, okay? And I was like, it was late. I was tired, I didn't want to stick around, I wanted to go home, and every part of me when I heard that was like, uh-uh, who does she think she is? This girl got to go home and go to sleep, I got things to do the next day, this ain't my birthday party, I got to go home, you know, and so right away in my flesh, I got so upset, and I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to tell her I can't stay, I got to wake up, whatever the amount thing, I don't even remember, okay, I was just being petty, I probably just wanted to go to sleep, okay, and so I end up getting my things, I go to her and I say, you know what, I gotta go, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And she tells me, 
you can leave when we're done setting up. We need everyone to part, you know, to participate and help. And, oh my gosh, my flesh, I was so mad. I was like on fire. I was like, look, I don't want to stay. I, I rose my voice and I said that I did not want to stay and that I wanted to go home. And then she said to me, I'm not going to ask you again. I need you to go over there, grab this thing, set this up, blah, blah, blah. And I remember with an attitude, like just throwing my bag down, walking away, and just doing it, just doing whatever she asked me. And that night when I went home, I felt sick. Oh, I love Jesus. Oh, I love God. Don't, don't tell me I don't love Jesus and don't love God because I don't want to stick around too late. Don't tell me I don't love God because, you know, I, I, you know, I get a little attitude here and there. Don't, don't tell me that. You know, I thought that night that I had just, I felt like the worst person ever. Because what was it for me to just sit there and just help everyone out? Everybody else that had to stay there, they, everybody did all, everything that I did that day. Everybody was just as tired. And here comes a little Latina, little Puerto Rican girl giving her attitude. Um, oh, man, so bad. I felt so stupid. <laughs> See, but are you like me then? Is it hard for you to receive from people? Is it hard for you to listen to others when they tell you to do something? Is it that much of a burden? You know, are there times, uh, are there ever times when you feel like you have a better idea? Okay, let's put it in, in this time, in this type of light. You're not bad. <laughs> now you're better than everyone, okay? <laughs> now you're better than everyone. You're not bad, you're not giving attitude. You, it's not like you have a problem receiving. Now you receive, but now you have better ideas than everybody else, okay? Um, do you think of yourself better than others just because you have better ideas now? You know, like, oh, well, you know, I can set this up. I can make this look a lot nicer, you know, or I think, you know, we should be more efficient with time, and I think we should start at this time and do it this time. Or, you know, I think instead of doing outreach this way, we should do it that way. Or, you know, I don't want to play with that Xbox. I want to be this Xbox, you know, and that's a point of fingers at it. I'm just using people as an example, okay? So just think of this, okay, because I know we all we're all people, okay? Raise your hand if you're a person. Okay? We all deal with pride. We all have our issues, okay? But are we going to listen, okay, listen, or are we going to be rebellious and full of pride, okay? I want you guys to just put yourself uh, in Nicodemus' shoes, okay? At that, morning, at that point in time, when he stood before God, and God answered his question, he could have been like, well, I don't need to listen to you. Uh, I can do it my way. I have a better way to get to heaven. He could have been, he could have flipped out just like that. You know, I don't need to listen to you. Um, I don't want to do that. Uh, I have a better idea of how I can get to heaven. Or, you know, I don't need to follow. You know, I don't, I don't need to do that. I don't need to be born again. What, that doesn't even make sense, being born again. Okay, to him it didn't make sense. Told me to go back to my mom. Obviously, he didn't get it. <laughs> Obviously, he didn't understand, okay? But are you going to listen when you're being given the answer? Are you going to listen when you're being given the answer? So many of you in this room, so many of you in this room, God is just speaking to you, and God is just talking to you, and he's been tugging on your heart and asking you to do things and, and wanting you to submit and wanting you to just be obedient. But some of you guys just are so hard-headed, and you don't listen. You don't listen. It's like God himself is speaking to you, and you are just choosing to do things your own way. It's like God is calling you, and 
and you turn up your nose at him and you walk away because you have a better idea of what Christianity is. You have a better idea of what being called is. You have something better to do. Does that even make sense? I don't think so. And it didn't make sense for me when I was growing up and when I was getting my life together. It didn't make sense to me when people tried to tell me better, when people tried to show me and tried to teach me. I was so full of pride. There were so many things. If I had listened just the first time someone told me something, if I had made things right the first time someone said it, that I could have avoided so many problems in my life. I could have avoided all the ups and downs I went through. I didn't have to deal with suicidal thoughts. I didn't have to deal with depression. I didn't have to go through that. I didn't have to seek relationships with men who only wanted to hurt me. I didn't have to do all that. If I would have listened the first time, the first time, but why is it that people want to come to God three, four, and five times? Six, seven, and eight times. They want to come to God a billion times before they just submit and listen. I remember being called. Okay, I was in 201. Okay, like, like some of you in this room. In 201, I'm about to go to college. And in my mind, I have my own idea of what I want to do, something that makes me excited. I wanted to go to art school. I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to do something like that. Like that, like it was, it was just awesome. And so I'm doing everything I can to get a Fulbright scholarship because, you know, I'm Latina and my family's poor. And so I want, I want to make sure that mama goes to college. Okay? I wanted to go to college. Okay? I didn't want to be like everyone in my family. I wanted to go to college. And so guess what? I get a Fulbright scholarship to Columbia University, to Columbia College, to our school. That's I was super excited. I was like, yes, I'm going. Bill's paid. I just got to think about how I'm going to get there, my living situation. I'm all good, right? But the whole time, God is knocking on my heart. That's not for you. I'm, that's not what I want you to do. I've already spoken to you. I've sent people to you to tell you, you are called. You are called to the nations. I want you to plant churches. I want you to reach the lost for me. I want you to do this, this, and this. And, and I'm thinking to myself, no, that can't be. No, 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 no. See, I pray about Columbia. <laughs> now let me, let me speak to some of you here who like to pray. And, and, and like to receive, you know, things from God. See, I think that the devil gives things too, okay? It is no coincidence why at that very time I'm graduating that I find out last minute I get the scholarship to Columbia. It's no coincidence why at that very same time now there's a college, a Bible college in Chicago that I can go to to fulfill the call of God in my life. See, all the while I'm praying and I receive my answer, I didn't think twice about it. I didn't think twice about it. For me, it was like God heard me. He answered me. He's giving me the way to go to Columbia. I'm going. I openly speak about this to everyone that was Pastor Jones. So I openly tell them, you know, God is doing, you know, I, God blessed me. I have a full ride scholarship to Columbia. I'm going to go. And guess what happens? In the middle of 201 class, Pastor Joe opens his word to the book of James and reads to me in the first, I will never forget, this is why I know this scripture, in the book of James chapter 1 verse 5, you are double-minded and will be unstable in all that you do. I literally cried. That hit home to me in such a powerful way. I did not realize that I was being double-minded. And because of my double-mindedness, 
I was unstable. I wasn't thinking clearly. Because guess what? God blessed me. No, he didn't. That was such a distraction. That was such a lie from the pit of hell. The devil was trying to come in and steal the very plan that God had for my life. It was at that very moment when I had to make a choice. Was I going to make the right decision? Was I going to give that up for God? And was I going to submit myself? Some of us don't like hearing messages like this because it doesn't feel good. Because we don't like getting out of our comfort zone. We don't like what we don't know. We ask all the questions that we can. We ask God, well, God, what do you want me to do with my life? God, what do you want me to do? God, give me a direction. God, give me a plan. God, give me a purpose. And then when he does, you guys turn your nose up and you, you walk away because you have something better. Two seconds ago, you didn't even know what you wanted to do. Two seconds ago, you didn't have a plan. Two seconds ago, you didn't have a purpose. And when God speaks to you something that isn't comfortable, all of a sudden, you don't want to do it. You have to ask yourself these questions. When you're not certain, are you going to trust God? When you're not certain, are you just going to be obedient? Because you know what? God's word says to just be obedient. Are you just going to be obedient even when you don't know the outcome? Do you have just a little bit of faith? If I had a mustard seed, I would show you guys in a heartbeat how small that thing is. Just how small it is. And you know what the word says? That something that small, faith that small moves mountains. And the sad thing is, not many of us have that kind of faith. You see, like, we, we preach all the time about living in righteousness, living pure, living this way, living that way, being right before God. What about having faith? Faith messages. We don't really preach about having faith. We kind of overlook it. But let's talk about faith real quick. How many of you guys have faith the size of a mustard seed? Raise your hand. Doesn't surprise me. The people that raise their hand are already in the call of God, are already in the will of God, are already submitting themselves, surrendering themselves to the call of God. I don't even know where the rest of my message is going. I don't really care right now. Okay, this is the point. See, God, yes, he loves the world. He loves the world. We got that. For God so loved the world. Okay, we all know it. John 3, 16. But he doesn't love the things in this world. Okay, so don't get it twisted. He loves you, but not the things you do, not the things that define you, not the things that make you who you are. He doesn't love those things about you. He loves your soul. It's mm, good. He loves your soul. I preach like this because I love your soul. I don't care about your attitudes. I don't care about the clothes you wear. I don't care about the things you like. I don't care about any of those things. I'm sorry. God loves your soul. See, so many times we get so confused with what the world, you know, the things of this world, you know, the, the sexual immorality, the things that make our flesh feel good. Uh, money, because money buys everything that we ever want and need. We, we like to party and have fun. Uh, we like the fame, like everybody wants to be famous nowadays. Uh, vanity, we get so lost in who we are as people or what we need to be, it's ridiculous. And idolatry, we idolize everything and everyone. But see, God didn't love those things in the world. And if we would have even put that next to it, you would say, oh, that's obvious. Duh, God doesn't love those things. All these things are contrary to the things that God loves. Mm -hmm. 
But you guys don't realize that sometimes you guys look exactly like the world. And those things are exactly what God hates, and those things are exactly what drove him to the cross. But we don't think about it like that. No, 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 no. We don't, we don't ever want to think about it like that. We don't ever want to think about it in a bad way. Because what? God loved the world, right? Yeah. Loved your soul, not the things in the world. If you look up at the screen, this is exactly what drove him to the cross. Your attitudes, your disobedience, your pride. It's just, it's, it's so disgusting. You know, like, everybody in here loves truth. Everybody in here wants, you know, a great plan for their life. Nobody wants to be poor, broke, busted, disgusted. Nobody wants to be, you know, homeless. Nobody, everybody in here wants great things. Everybody in here wants a big family. Everybody in here wants, you know, awesome things, okay? I want awesome things, okay? But those things should never get in the way of what God wants for your life. I made a promise to certain people that I wasn't going to talk about things and I wasn't going to mention things and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't going to push things, but I felt convicted even thinking that way. Because I need to speak on behalf of God. I need to declare the things that he's telling me to declare over your life. I need to push it on you because if I don't, then you're going to miss out on the very thing that God wants you to do. I'm sorry. I'm not here to make anyone feel comfortable. I'm not. So yes, for God to love the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That is so true, and I thank God that he loved the world because I live in...